This season of Well and Good is sponsored by Subaru, the perfect car for living a full life in New Zealand. New Zealanders are doers, the type of people who are always pushing to sneak a little more out of life. We're up early to sneak in a morning swim or out surfing to catch that one last wave. If you want to do a little extra, do it in an all-wheel drive Subaru. Kia ora, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. So today we have someone very exciting on the potty, and his name is Richie Hardcore. Now, I know what you're thinking. No, Richie Hardcore is not his born given name, but he'll explain more about that later. Anyway, if you don't follow Richie on Instagram, you absolutely should. He is such a legend and posts really interesting content that kind of makes you think he is certainly not your norm. And I loved this chat. I thought he was amazing. Yeah, me too. Such great chats. Um, Richie's a really interesting guy. He's a board member at White Ribbon New Zealand, the Ministry of Social Developments. It's Not Okay champion and a co-facilitator at Shine, working to end men's violence against women. Yeah, so his key focus is kind of on exploring masculinity, I guess, and ending rape culture, sexual and family violence, and he's really, really passionate about it. So I hope you really enjoy this conversation because we bloody did. Just a bit of a heads up, guys. There are a few swear words in this episode. Yep, there's some uh, some Fs and some Ss. Is no Cs, all? though. There's definitely no Cs. I don't know. <laughs> Listen to find know. out. So, Richie, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so you are... A pretty interesting dude. You like we were we were trying to sum you, wear you up. You quite a few hats, don't you? Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. confusing. <laughs> I confuse myself because we were trying to sum you up. Like, what what is his kind of job? I guess, but we thought it'd probably be easier I mean, coming from you. Even you know? just summing you up in one sentence, like you've just got your whole Muay Thai background, champion, coach, and then now you're just a huge campaigner for mental health and. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, that's. I kind of have like these two. Um, I think on the surface level, opposing like uh, work pathways. So yeah, I, I used to fight people for money, and uh, <laughs> and then I stopped doing that, and now I teach people how to fight for uh, money. For, for money. money. <laughs> 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 or not money, actually. Like uh, anyone who comes through the gym, I'm like, oh, yo, what's your budget? You know, like I have some kids come through who don't have any money, so I'm like, cool, because. The single best positive thing that's ever happened to me is getting into martial arts when I was a boy at 13, you know. And why is that? Um, yeah, so it's reasonably well publicized. My father was an alcoholic and I grew up with family violence and a lot of dysfunction. Um, that You know, they call it adverse childhood experiences. I ha- I'm like quite high on the list of those. <laughs> like really adverse. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. if you do, uh, well, you know, like you have to keep it in context. Like my childhood wasn't once warriors by any means, but it definitely wasn't the Brady Bunch either. Um, and so I was a really insecure kid. I, I had, a, yeah, really low self-esteem and, um, very, uh, prone to being oversensitive and, you know, and that's manifested as an adult in my romantic relationships. Um, so we can talk about that. And, <laughs> but what helped me steer my way through adolescence, uh, and come out reasonably unscathed is getting into combat sports. You know, I've got this tattoo on my leg and it's like the slogan of my gym, fighting saved my life. And that's true of so many people I know, irrespective of their 
their walk of life. Maybe they're just unhappy or maybe they came out of jail or maybe they uh, had a drug problem. They get into 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 combat sports and it gives them a, a positive pathway and a positive outlet and a sense of purpose and belonging. Mm. I mean, without jumping all around the place too much, like if we're talking about mental health and what are pr- protective factors for people, belonging, you know, a sense of community, uh, connection, exercise, all those things are so good for your mental health, you know what I mean? So I gravitated toward this without these external understandings that I have now, and it just felt good, you know? Mm. So getting into that as a boy really helped me stay on the right side of the tracks because Mm. as a kid who grew up with, like, all the shit at home, um, I gravitated towards, like, naughty kids, and naughty kids became, like, you know, criminal adults sometimes or people who got into a lot of drugs and stuff to deal with whatever was going on in their internal landscape. But because I'd seen the the, the worst side of where alcohol can take you in my childhood, when my friends started doing drugs and when we were kids, I was like, oh, no, I had like this knee-jerk reaction to it. The martial arts gave me the self-esteem to say no. Because we all want to fit in as kids, right? We all want to do shit and go along with shit Nobody to just wants be to cool. No one wants, yeah, yeah. So, so what was like? Where did that self esteem come from? Was that like having confidence? Yes, yeah, having able confidence. To, yeah. I, I remember walking into Taekwondo. That was the first martial art I did at, at thirteen years old. Real shy, you know, the kid who would like look at his shoes when he walked around and like apologize for basically breathing. <laughs> and, and, oh. and you know, like I thought I'd die like. You know, a single lonely old virgin. You know, <laughs> and like I was quite geeky, man. Like I, I, I was really into reading books and like playing Dungeons and Dragons. And like I was, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then yeah. I go and, and I was a geek. Yeah, yeah. I was a total geek. <laughs> and there's no shame in that. Like no. if that's your pathway, c- cool, man. Yeah. But then I went to to Taekwondo. It was the first thing I was naturally good at fighting, <laughs> mm. which you know, and I was beating grown men in tournaments pretty quickly. And, and training with men, and, and and as my body strengthened, and as I got fitter, so did my internal landscape. You know, like I started liking myself, and my posture changed, my body changed, and and I'd stand up for the kids who were getting bullied at school because I had the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Not because fighting is any way to solve a problem outside of a sporting context, but just it gives you the ability to use your voice. I think when you, I went to an all boys school in the '90s in a lower socioeconomic neighborhood it was rough and the ability for me to go yo man like blah 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 blah, and it's stupid like stereotypical constructs of masculinity that elevate people who can fight and are good at sports above others that's stupid you know like that's a problem but I leveraged off it Mm. to be to try my best as a teenager to be a better person had I not got into martial arts and combat sports all the stuff I do now around talking to young men around violence prevention and sexual violence prevention and healthier masculinity, it wouldn't work. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, I leverage off the fact that I've got tattoos and I used to, like, punch people for sport <laughs> yeah. um, to connect with young men. Like, it mm-hmm. makes you relatable. I kind of, like, try and use that to yeah. Trojan horse and those ideas. So to go back to the question you initially asked, what do I do? I'm an educator outside of being a coach. I speak in schools and businesses and universities and, you know, anywhere, really, prisons, um, to to boys and girls, men and women, uh, inmates, corporate people. Um, I've spoken in Parliament. I've spoken in Purimurimu Prison. Around, yeah, these concepts that we have to do with stereotypical masculinity. 
uh, and then these interrelated fields of, of mental health and sexual violence and, and family violence. And mm. um, I do that for myself as, a, I guess, an independent contractor, self-employed, but I also work for the Ministry of Social Development, White Ribbon New Zealand. White yep. Ribbon's an international organization. Um, I do some work with Shine, who are an anti-family violence organization, working in small groups with offenders, so men who have been court-ordered into anti-violence programs, so learning how to help them shift their core beliefs and understandings and have healthier violence-free relationships. Basically, people like invite me to do shit, and I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> they and just it, force you to come on podcasts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it's cool. Like, life's interesting, you know what I mean? You yeah. know, I mean, you guys Every day are... Is different. Yeah, I totally. imagine you guys are constantly kind of like... You're self-employed, right? Like, yeah. you don't have a contract job, so you're like... Is that interesting? Might pay me some money. Might just be fun. I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And it's really great to have have the freedom to be able to do that as yeah. well. You know, it's so. I so enjoy lucky. the freedom of it. I worked mm. for the Ministry of Health for six years in drug and alcohol harm prevention. Again, all that stuff stems from my childhood. Yeah. And um, I really loved the outcomes of the work, like helping people have healthier understandings and use of alcohol and drugs, but. I don't fit into an office, man. Like, it was a struggle, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> it was a struggle. Yeah. You know, I always turn up in, like, ripped off T-shirts and shorts like, and, like... see your tattoo. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm very bad at punctuality. Like, that shit doesn't work for me yeah. for a whole range of reasons. Mm. Uh, but it was great. I learned a lot out of that. But one of the main things is that I don't fit into that environment. Um just my personality, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I imagine you guys are the same to some degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. I actually um, heard you speak at the Purple Tide Charity Ball, and that was awesome. And that was kind of my first, because I knew you before then, um, but I don't think I knew the, the full extent of what you did. And I remember being blown away by your talk that night, and the whole of, of the audience just loved it. They were, like, just putting in your hands. It was oh, really thanks. cool. That's very kind. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I think my public speaking is always a developing thing. Mm. Um, what I've learned is that, in my experience, people don't change based on facts and figures and I told you so. They base their views and values on how you can make them feel. Mm. So I'm quite just like, yo, this is my shit, you yeah. know, like... I've been through all of this stuff, and this was really, really hard, and this is what worked. Oh, and here's actually the academic evidence that shows that how I naturally dealt with that yeah. is what works, you know? Yeah, people love honesty, right? People love you honesty. Know? And I feel like they can see through when you're not being honest as well, when you're just standing up there and kind of spouting if it, something pre-written. Yeah, but exactly. You just seemed so natural and honest. It oh, was really thanks. awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm good at being myself. But that's because it's taken me a long time to like being myself. Yeah. You know, if I think back to that, what we were talking about earlier, yeah. like, they didn't really like myself for a long time. Like, I was very insecure. When I think back, even through my 20s, pretty insecure, and uh, you overcompensate for that in ways that aren't necessarily always that healthy. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of us get to our late, late 20s, early 30s, and that's when we really start coming into our own. Yeah, definitely. Because I guess if you've got low self-esteem or, or if you don't like yourself, it can kind of, I don't think you really understand un, until you realize how it's affecting your life. Mm. And you realize it's your relationships or your jobs or how you're not going for opportunities or there's so many things that you're not doing and you're missing out on because you realize that you've got this shitty self-esteem, you know? <laughs> Do, is that something you relate to? Like, yeah, totally. And then you, you kind of 
figure it out and you're like, hold on, what's actually going on here? Like what's the root cause of all this, of all these issues? And then as soon as you fix that one thing, it's like life just kind of opens up for you, you know? A hundred percent. And I think um, it's I think it's really powerful for you guys to say that because mm. I think externally people mm. would look at you and you're both attractive and, you know, successful and but yeah. why do they, what, you know, like yeah, why do they have those other things? It's just a classic case of, of people always assume that, other people are all fine. Mm. You know, everyone's like, oh, well, if you're attractive and if you've got a cool job, then, well, you must be fine. What do you have to complain about? You know, <laughs> but there's so much that, that goes on in people's minds, you mm. know. You just and never know. Especially now with social media, how everyone just portrays the best side of them and the best side of their life. And so, it's a highlight reel. It, yeah, it totally is. Maddie and I have definitely have down days and we have times when we... Like, I get really frustrated at myself. You know, sometimes I'll be scrolling through social media for, like, you know, an hour or so and finish scrolling and don't feel any better about myself. In fact, probably feel a lot worse about myself just because of what I've seen on social media. With the exception, actually, of your Instagram, uh, oh, Richie. Mm. Really? Yeah, no, seriously. You don't have I, to say it. I, no, I don't have to. I should stop. You know, <laughs> but, um, no, but seriously, like, every time I, I see something of yours, it either makes me feel better about myself or it challenges the way I think about something. In some way, it's positive, and I think that's a huge thing um, that I think we could all realise with social media is that it's kind of it's the same as having an environment in real life where you're surrounded by all these friends that build you up and make you feel better about yourself. And like social media is just the same; it's just another environment. Mm. Yeah. And I think we need to be careful about who we follow and what we see and how it affects us. I hundred percent agree because you know I do talk in schools and young people, and I see the impacts of it, man. Like, kids it's are getting huge. messed up from a real young age. Mm. Like, mm. physiologically, like, the way their brains are getting formed from um, too much screen time, online pornography, mm. the mental diet that they're consuming is is filling them up with, um, I would argue, a lot of really bad ideas and ways of being in this culture of comparison. I need to look like this. And there's all these... Um, you know, social media celebrities who are promoting, like, junk products or junk ideas or uh, unscientific eating notions. And kids mm. are trying their best to just be like, oh, this is what I need to be. And then we wonder, why, why is there an explosion of children on, like, mental health medication or with eating disorders or self-harming, you know? Yeah. We live in this age of anxiety and depression, and you're exactly right. It's our environment. And one of my favorite authors of the last few years is, is Johan Hari, and he talks a lot about this in his work. And he says, you know, if you think about food, if, if we're eating junk food as a culture, it's making us sick, you know, like leading cause of death in New Zealand and in a lot of the Western world is uh, cardiovascular disease, mm. which is quite often lifestyle related. It's the same with uh, our mental health. If you have a value of junk ideals <laughs> all the time through your cell phone, which is you're staring at for an hour or more mm. every day, um, what is it doing to us? So how do yeah. we help kids have critical filters and understandings about what it is that they're getting? You, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's really tough, I guess, because people our age, we have, have had enough life experience to, to be able to recognize the signs, I guess, and and try and make choices that, that help it. But I guess I don't think they have that kind of capacity yet to, to understand how it's affecting them or realise how they can change their behaviour to better it, mm. which is really scary. So I guess we just have to try and teach them as best we can. I think so too. I think I'm not 100% a favour with like the school curriculum, mm. but how does that look when it comes to safe social media use? You know, there are great organisations like NetSafe, who give guides to, like, parents and teachers and educators about how to 
you know, if something bad happens on the internet, what to do. Yeah. I don't think, like, kids are going to go out of their way to be like, oh, how do I use my smartphone safely? Yeah. <laughs> I heard this, there's, a, I think, a movement in the States where you don't give your kid a smartphone, right? Hmm. And you have to engage with 10 other parents to ensure that their kids don't have smartphones either so your kid doesn't feel left out and get bullied and teased. Right. Because so much of our connection as adults or as children or as teenagers is through social media. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. oh, did you see this on Facebook? Or did you see that viral story on Twitter? Or did you see blah, blah, blah's Instagram? If you don't have those cultural touchstones, then you can feel ex- excluded. So how do you help people create a healthier offline community? It's a really tough one because it's like you can't really fight it, right? It's mm. like social media no. is there and, and, and it's, it's used by everyone and it's probably not going anywhere anytime soon. And there's heaps of positives. You guys have are a great example of like a lot of your career, right, would have benefited from social media. Totally. And mine yeah. too. Like my speaking career, um, mm. even as a kickboxing coach, social media is great for that. And it gives everyone a voice, you know. Like if you're a, a creative, you can get your work out there and it can be seen so easily. Exa- there are yeah, so many and like uh, for social movements, like Me Too, Time's Up, like um, mm. p- minority groups get to use social media to express a viewpoint that might not have been heard traditionally in mainstream media. You know, like there are real benefits from it, mm. but then it's how do you mitigate some of the, the downsides of it, the bullying. I mean, you guys must get people being awful to you sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and it's taken me a long time to really try and deal with that a bit better because I'm, like you, I'm really sensitive. Dude, it kills me. I take me. everything to heart. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean you didn't like my idea? <laughs> but Our I brains really... are wired to just... Oh, just totally. fascinate on the, the negatives. I, yeah. It's, it's yeah, but it's like, all right, cool, people are people are people. Like, not everyone's mm. going to like you. How do you learn to mm. – and I don't care if you don't agree with me, but it just bums me out when people just say something don't be mean. Don't about it. You know, yeah. don't be a dick about I'm it. Like, That's the thing. If you come at me with something like, well, have you read this argument or this academic or this blah, 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 or my lived experience, mm-hmm. but if it's just like – you're a fucking idiot. I'm like, why are you just like, being cool. me? Real constructive. Thanks, yeah, thanks. and you yeah. have to think the whole like hurt people, hurt people sort of idea, you know. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Yeah. So, so true. That's kind of how we um, deal with that sort of stuff a lot of the time, isn't it, Matt? Mm. We, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Generally, we try and put ourselves in the shoes of the person saying the yeah. nasty things and kind of realise that they're probably, you know, you just feel sorry for them. Yeah, like, you feel sorry you for think, them. Imagine if every day just was so negative about everything and you just saw the worst at every single thing. It'd be shit. Like, it'd be such a terrible existence, horrible. you know? So you've just got to feel sorry for them and hope that they yeah. sort it out. First it was like, I, this is my, like, evolution of mm. internet use. Which yeah. is long. I used to be into, like, message <laughs> it boards. It takes time. Yeah, you know, I used to be, like, a message board guy. Mm. And then it was, like, MySpace. I think I avoided, like, Friendster. And then we on yeah. Bebo? Nah, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, oh, neither. you missed out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I used to be like, someone said something mean, I'd kind of like say something mean back. Well, fuck you too. Like, mm. you know, not mm. particularly nuanced. And then it was like, all right, I'm going to try and convince you. Just And then it's like, I'm trying to convince you with facts. When I started going to university, you know, I went to university and I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll reference my idea, you know, and like, <laughs> here's a link that you're going to read, you know, <laughs> rolls eyes. And then um, these days I'm more like, oh, can you explain your idea? And I'm trying to like understand someone mm. and then I'm like, might give a counterpoint and then I'm like, oh, we don't have to agree, cool. You know, like, yeah, I don't have to agree with everyone and you don't have to agree with me. We can still respectfully 
coexist, right? That is like a key statement. We don't have to agree because I think in social media now and and I find it myself and I think you probably do too, Art, is that you censor yourself so much because if I put in an opinion on Instagram and people don't agree with it, I get just so many messages being like, oh, I'm really disappointed that, that you think that, blah, blah, blah. So now I just don't because I'm like, I can't be bothered dealing with that, so I'm just going to keep it to myself. <laughs> That's interesting because... I don't know if that's... Yeah, I totally get it. I'm kind of mm. the same. I'm like, is it worth the potential pushback for yeah. me to voice this? And it's a well, bit of a shame because it's like the, you don't have to agree, but yeah. it doesn't mean that I'm wrong or you're wrong. Or, exactly. You, know? you just have different lived experience and a different lens through, you know, mm. or... Yeah. Yeah. I, if there is something that is, like, truly wrong, like being racist or being sexist oh, totally. or, or whatever, then I'm like, all right, let's back and forth about that, you yeah. know? Because... You know, as a person of privilege, like a white dude or a white passing dude, uh, I think it's important for me to uh, challenge other dudes who look like me and be like, hey, what you're saying is racist mm. or sexist or yada, yada, yada. And yeah. that, do you know what I mean? Like, I totally get that. Use that platform to the best of my ability yeah. to, I don't know, try and shift an idea or a mindset or be part of that conversation at least. Mm-hmm. But all the time it can get kind of exhausting, you know? It's so if it's just a... A slight or a viewpoint variant, I'm like, oh, whatever, man. Yeah. You do you. Totally. You do you. And it's totally fine for people to disagree. It's normal. You know, people have different opinions. But there is, I think on all sides of the political spectrum, this is my third coffee for the day, so that's why I'm using my hands like this. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I don't normally drink three coffees a day. Should we give you a fourth and see what happens? No, I'll catch on fire. Um... On both sides, whether it's left wing or right wing or like old fashioned reactionary people or progressive people, you know, mm. on the social justice scene, like there is this sort of narrative that you, you're you a bad person if you don't think what I think, which I also think is a problem, you know, yeah. like it stops people like yourself, mm. like just voicing a viewpoint or having a variance of opinion, yeah. even within particular ideologies or ideological movements or frameworks. There's no room for, like, nuance or variance. No. If you don't think this exact thing, I'm going to character assassinate you publicly. Totally. Do do you know? That's why I got off Twitter, because it's just this angry, judgy... No, it's horrible. Isn't it It just awful? Like, I I like Twitter in some regards in that... Okay, so Drummer, one of my favorite bands the other day, tweeted something out about um, new legislation in England, which Mm. age restricts access to pornography websites... I'm an educator Amazing. around pornography. Like, yeah. that's what I do for, like, the government. <laughs> you yeah. know, I manage your social government, like, you know, will pay me money to go and talk to people about hey, these are the harms of porn for young people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. like, that's my work. I know about it. There's a whole weight of boring academic literature stuck in my yeah. brain. So I got to talk to this dude and be like, oh, hey, man, like, appreciate your viewpoint, but have you considered A, B, and C? Because he's got a platform. So if I can talk with him and people see that conversation, and we had a constructive conversation around that. Mm. And then, you know, a friend of mine who's a famous singer, he got involved and, and, and he retweets some shit. Like, young people are looking at that. Like, that's positive, I think. You know? Definitely. Me and the bro didn't necessarily agree everywhere, but I definitely, I saw a shift in his tone throughout the conversation. Mm. That's great, you know? And people have done that to me too. Or maybe you didn't think about this or yada, yada, yada. It's a great way to learn up to date with the news. But, yeah, that nasty tribalism. Yeah. Um, this person wrote a book and they said this or they're so privileged and lucky. And mm-hmm. it, I think the 
the the confines of 140 characters, 180, I don't know, how many is it now? I think, oh, I don't know. When I got off it, it was 140. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that means that we all can get taken out of context very easily mm. and people aren't forgiving about that. Yeah. And then also, like, the whole idea of, like, retweeting something t- divorces a person from the context in which they live and their life experience. So everything's super set face value, yeah. which... Which is a real problem. Things can be taken the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. The internet super, comes for you. I know, yeah. man. The internet comes for you. I've yeah. had that a couple of times. It's super mm. yuck, man. It like messes up your mental yeah. health massively. Yeah. And I, really I think does. people should be mindful of that. Just if you see someone saying something that you disagree with or you think it's problematic or whatever, a simple, what did you mean by that mm-hmm. is, I think, the right thing to do, don't you? Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Unless someone's like, says something like, blah, 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 I hate blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you're like, oh, hey, bro, that's some racist then shit. Then they kind of deserve it. Yeah. Then, yeah. You know? no, like, this person's <laughs> yeah. clearly yeah, horrible. There's a line. Yeah. 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 <laughs> some of the problem is that it takes a lot of guts to say something to someone's face, but then it doesn't take any guts to say it mm. on your phone. It takes uh, no but, guts but it's all. received exactly, like, this has exactly the same I was weight. on a panel about that, and mm. there, there was a researcher at the panel who was saying that, um, the reason that we have so much online bullying now, not just for kids, but for adults. You know, I think Charlotte Dawson, she took her mm. own life based on so sad. online bullying. And I know people uh, personally who, I guess, are public figures in New Zealand or indeed, you know, some people overseas. It really, really has damaged them, what people have said about them online, like the vociferous, horrible, hateful nature, mm. bringing up something they said six years ago in passing and using it as proof that today... Like, they've not grown or changed and matured or learned in six years is yeah. a terrible whatever it may be. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this academic was saying that it is that divorce, which uh, if I said something horrible to you now, Art, I would see, like, the look in your face and you're clearly upset. And as a human being, uh, I might feel a degree of empathy and I'm like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean it like that. Or, yeah, well, maybe that came out wrong. Or it came out. We don't have that on the Internet. So if I'm like, yo, say something horrible, there's no emotional response that I uh, am privy to, thus I don't get an emotional reaction either. Mm. It's just like saying it to a wall. It's like know? saying it to a wall. Yeah. You just throw nasty things out into mm. into the <laughs> internet ether without seeing the consequence of your words. And unfortunately, I think what happens with like pylons and, you know, like one person says something wrong, quote unquote, mm. and then that gets retweeted and retweeted and retweeted and more and more people will like have a go at you. They're kind of not aware of the hundred other people, the 50 other people, a thousand other people that are also saying horrible things to you. Yeah. So the weight on that person at the center of that mm. is, is really huge. And, um, and it's really damaging because it's a shaming. It's kind of like. Putting someone in the stocks, you know, like in it's the middle. It's a real public shaming. It's Everyone's a real public tomatoes. shaming, yeah. yeah. And in New Zealand, it becomes like a newspaper article because mm-hmm. we're a small country, man, and people forget about that. Yeah. I mean, journalists forget about that and too. And it's what people click on. Like, that's the thing that, because we get frustrated at our news um, places for the terrible clickbait articles and the, like, shitty entertainment stories that they do that are just non-stories. But it's like they do them because people click, click on, them. on them. Yeah. It's not even the story. Mm-hmm. Like, the headline's super inflammatory, so everyone clicks it. And then three, you know, words in, you're like, this isn't at all what the headline yeah. position the story as, right? Is yeah. that fair to say? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, I... 
put a video up. This was, I don't know, like a year ago now. And it was a funny little, well, I thought it was funny, like little piss take of seven days from the seven days segment. And one person commented who was honestly 11 years old. Like, <laughs> and she, she commented saying, Oh, like what a dick you're um, making fun of disabled people or something. And she, she was just like a, a child troll. Yeah. And that was one. Comment. Young. Yeah. And then, mm. The Herald jumped on it saying Matilda slammed for making fun of disabled people. And then people were coming after me being like, how could you do that? And I was like, no one thought that. It's just yeah. that the without Herald... E- without even actually seeing the post, people were saying... Without you know, even seeing it, that they were messaging me about it. you, you know? would not. And, and that endures, unfortunately, because mm. someone Google searches your name, 100%. there's going to be this headline there. It's always Forever. the worst one. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, it's always the worst one. Matilda totally. hates disabled people. Yeah. And, and it's also like people make mistakes, right? But with the internet, it's like those mistakes never go away and people never forgive you for them. Which you is know? just crazy. Like, mm. I think that's part of being a human. Yeah. Like, because you make a mistake, grow, you and they learn, learn from, from it, it. and... You're only like a terrible, terrible human if you keep doing the same thing all the time and it stops being a mistake and it starts being intentional, you know? <laughs> yeah. And even then, it's like, why is that person doing that? Mm. So, so you know, I, I'm a child of an addict. I've been around addicts and substance abuse my whole life. I worked for the Ministry of Health reducing alcohol and drug harm. It's not like addicts that are bad people. It's the addiction and the behavior that it stems from that addiction. But Absolutely. quite often, as a broader society, we're like, people who smoke pee are bad or people who do drugs are bad. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. But we're not looking at why are they doing that? Why are they escaping their consciousness? What is yeah. it so hard about their day-to-day existence that they need to do like a damaging substance regularly mm-hmm. to get out of themselves? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing that we do with um, anyone's bad behavior. So, you know, I work with men who have been violent offenders in their families and there was a time in my life when I was self-righteous and angry as a child who grew up with that shit. Now I work with those people. And if you come to understand their backstories, it doesn't excuse their behavior. What they're doing is wrong. And, and, it, and it leaves lasting emotional and psychological wounds on their kids and their, their partners. But if you understand where they come from, you can understand why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. And we can't chuck those people into the sea forever. We actually have to be compassionate in our approach towards them and work with them to help them understand mm-hmm. why they, what they're doing is wrong and how to change it. Why can't we do that with people who just say the wrong thing to an 11-year-old, you know, yeah. or, or whatever it is? But we've become this, like, vengeful society, which is like, that person's bad, pull out the pitchforks and, mm. the, you know, like, yeah, pull out the publicly pitchforks. roast them. <laughs> yeah. and that, and, but that's what our media predicates on. Mm. Like, we love bad news, we love successful people failing, there yep. is a primacy towards the negative. Yep. And then I think that plays into why a lot of people continue to be unhappy. Mm. Like yep. if all you're reading is this steady stream of bad news um, yep. through your Twitter feed or your Facebook feed or, you know, mainstream news website, what is that doing to you psychologically? Yeah. Because you know what? Great things happen every day. Yeah, sure. There is a lot of horrible shit. The world is racist and sexist and we're degrading the environment. Mm-hmm. You can acknowledge that and do work towards that at the same time as acknowledging the good things too. Yeah. Do you know? Like, and enjoying the world and all enjoy- it has to offer. Yeah, exactly. And sure, maybe that's from a privileged position. I acknowledge that. But my life hasn't always been like this. Like, mm. it was a real struggle growing up. And, and I know what that feels like too, you know? Like, 
But we all, I don't know, like you can acknowledge good at the same time as working towards the end of the bad. But yeah. I think a lot of us just get stuck in this bubble of negativity and then take it out on the people around us. Absolutely. It's like the comment section in, in the news. <laughs> yeah, don't read right? the comments, Matilda. It's, like, it's a <laughs> like, sad reflection New dude. Zealand. Like, I tell her and she still does it. It's like, no, no, I don't anymore. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't read any of the comments because I protect my own mental health. It's, really? Do you like? Yeah, I, yeah. I genuinely don't read read anything. Like, even if there's an article with a clickbait headline about us or something, I don't even read it because I'm just mm. like, I know what it's going to be. You know, like I know what the comments are going to be and know what the article's going to say. I can't be bothered with it. Um, but it's really interesting. Um, the comments gen generally reflect um, a happiness in the misfortunes of, of someone else. Of others, yeah. Yeah, and it's really bizarre because I think, like, is, is this what New Zealand is like now? Like, do we really take some form of happiness in someone else's misfortune? misfortune. Or, or, like, someone that, that is viewed to, be I don't know, successful. be successful. Why are we like that? You know, it's really bizarre. I, I always wonder that, too. Like, tall poppy syndrome is a thing. Mm -hmm. People, I think take out a degree of their own frustrations on people who seem to be successful for whatever reason and smash them for it. And they just hate them. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. real stink, man. Like, yeah. I think it stems from uh, deep down sort of jealousy. I think so too. It, mm. Without trying to sound condescending, I'm like, if you're not happy with your situation, you're not a tree. You can get up and move and change your yeah. situation to some degree. Yeah, sure. Mm. There are contextual frameworks and societal um, hurdles that certain groups of people have to overcome that others don't. And we all mm -hmm. have different traumas and lived history. Sure, I'm totally acknowledging that. But at the same time, none of us are completely powerless to not change our situations. Absolutely. So if you're super unhappy, instead of just being bitter and being nasty angry and at being that angry are happy. and being angry at people who are happy, mm. maybe like slowly work to make some changes. Yeah. I don't know. Is that a horrible thing to say? No, not at all. I'm totally on board with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's important to realize where things in your life are unhappy and try and change them, you know? Like some things you can't change. I totally get that as as you were saying, but you know, some things you can and and a lot of people can change them. So well, one of my you know. favorite dudes is this guy John Joseph. Um he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. John Joseph is a stalwart of the musical culture from which I take my name. Hardcore. Hardcore is oh, like, we were going to ask you about that, where oh, yeah. Hardcore came from. I know, it's funny, because this is my ongoing joke. Like, oh, I'm Richie Hardcore, I know I'm here to talk to you about pornography today, and my name's <laughs> Hardcore, but I was never a porn star. That's like my dad joke to the kids. Um, hardcore is a style of music, man. Like, uh, it comes from the punk scene in the United States, and then it sort of stripped back and became a bit more influenced by the sound of metal. Late 80s, early 90s, early 2000s, Hardcore scene was very political, uh, and, and that coupled with my consumption hip hop is so my first introduction to politics, which mm. I ended up doing a degree in at university. Yeah. But anyway, like, yeah, I was so into this scene of music from like the nineties. I did a radio show called Viva Hardcore at BFM, and like bands would tour, and I would drive for them, and I would do this DIY shit. Like hardcore Ooh. was amazing. Alongside martial arts, it's like was my safe space. Yeah. You know, in 1999, I flew to New York City, which was like the epicenter of the hardcore scene in the world. Like, New York hardcore was the shit. This famous club called CBGB's. And, and I was, like, getting in, underage, like, hanging out with these fucking cool tattoo dudes. Cool. Like, that was my shit. I went to New York for, like, three months. I had my 20th birthday in New York, just jumping off stages, you know, slam dancing, and, like, hanging out with my musical heroes. Because back then, like, 
even now, like, hardcore is still a pretty subculture underground scene. So there's no, like, big barrier, like, Beyonce and, and fan. You know, yeah. like, in hardcore, it's like, sure, you're famous as a singer, but in the big thing, is like, there's no, you know? Mm. So back then, you could walk onto the stage and jump off and high-five your favorite dude and then maybe catch up and talk afterwards, you know what I mean? That's awesome. Yeah, that was my shit. So I lost where this was going, but... But yeah, that's what hardcore is. Mm. And so hardcore was so formative for me that I legally changed my middle name to hardcore. Oh, you legally awesome. changed it? Yeah, awesome. yeah. I was born Richard Andrew Rex Stewart. Like, yeah. that's the most boring white name mm. ever. <laughs> and, Rex? Yeah. Where does Rex come from? That's my father's name. Okay. Yeah. So when I was 26 or 27, I think, like, I wasn't 30, it also was my ring name as a fighter. Because when I was young and fighting, I just was a very aggressive fighter. And I used to play hardcore in the gym and all this sort of shit. So I was really hardcore, you know, like mm. every fighter has a ring name. And then people just started, and I did a radio show called Viva La Hardcore. And then people just started calling me Richie Hardcore or just Hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. But in kickboxing, it's a thing, you know, like my friend Jason Suddy, his ring name is Psycho. People just call him Psycho. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, that's a thing, like, or lightning or, or whatever it might like, be. Oh, you psycho know? coming to brunch? Yeah. <laughs> but that's how we talk. That's a yeah. subculture thing, and I think yeah. that's what broader society doesn't get. Yeah. So anyway, I changed my name. I changed it from Richard to Richie, got rid of my middle names, put Hardcore in there. And, so cool. uh, it's just, it suits you. Like, yeah. What about you're Richie Hardcore. Do you, yeah. What about when you're sort of, like, 80 or 90? That's the funny around. thing. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, all my tattoos will be wrinkly as shit. Like, whatever. Yeah. I, I, I went hot totally. that, that you won't be your average 80 to 90-year-old, like, wearing slacks <laughs> and, like, yeah. big beige cardies, oh, no. you know? I hope not. I have really cool older friends, like, guys in their late 40s and 50s and 60s, and I'm like, yo, I want to be like you. Yeah. Still, like doing shit in the gym and like they're still learning and growing and yeah they've had atypical existences like my friend toby morse out in los angeles singing for this band h2o the key role model for me like his band was saying about like pma positive attitude i met him on that first trip when i was 19 and we, we're still friends today and he's like i think he's nearly 50 he's still like j- like singing on stages and traveling the world and like getting tattoos like he's insanely tattooed it's mental and, and <laughs> like, classic. yeah, he's raising this really awesome son who's like just super open-minded little dude. Like, I'm like, yo, I want to be like that. Aww, like, I'm cool. fortunate in that because I grew up in, I guess, subcultures mm. that I get these atypical pathways I can follow that have shown me like, you don't have to be like that. While I spoke to the problems in my childhood, um, it wasn't all bad. Like, my father was in and out of recovery and when, when he was sober, shit was great. Like, oh, not great all the time, but, like, really good in that he never put expectations on me. Neither of my parents would put expectations on me on, you have to be a lawyer or you have to be, you know? Mm. I can distinctly remember two really great things my dad said to me. One was, does a man good to cry? Great message for a man to tell his son. Another one was, I don't give a fuck what you do, son, as long as you're happy. Yeah. That's great. And I'm like, thanks. He doesn't care that I don't have, like, a nine-to-five job that pays me six figures. He's yeah. like, are you happy? You <laughs> know, and I'm like... Most of the time at the moment. Yeah. And he's and sweet. That's <laughs> you know, awesome. Like, yeah. I'm like, how do we all do that? You, yeah, you, absolutely. Because, you know, like externally imposed values and ideas that we don't fit into, they yeah. make us unhappy. Yeah, like it's all very well going to law school because um, your parents told you to, but if you hate law and you don't want to be a lawyer, how many people you know, do that? it's like, what's the time? Yeah. 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 But what I sometimes think about is, yeah, if if you could encourage everyone to do what they love or something different or something, you know, really exciting as a career, then 
will that mean that we don't have um, enough people like accountants? No, no offense to people that love accountants. <laughs> yeah, but like, some, you know, some sorry, people love numbers. Some yeah, people yeah, like, love numbers. Yeah. That, well, that's a good point too. Like. Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't have a strong answer to that. Yeah. But I think there's there's always going to be people that that chase a a certain type of job as well, you know. Like some people are far more structured and some people aren't. I guess the answer to that is how do you find people fit where they naturally are inclined to fit rather than encouraging people to fit into something they don't fit into? Mm. Yeah. Both as in career but also in their their roles as people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, yeah, that's quite hard to figure that out. Like, you kind of almost need a different sort of schooling system that lets yeah. people play to their strengths and figure out. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Cause what it's, interested in. Yeah, because it can be really easy to think that, that you're a dummy if you do bad at school. Because I, I did terribly at I school. I was school so yeah. bad, you know, and dropped out halfway through seventh form. But I don't think I'm an idiot. But it's just like, that's just how the, the school system is kind of yeah. planned. Yeah, well, at least when we grew up, right? Yeah. I think I'm a bit older than you guys too, so it's probably mm. worse. But um, and it might have changed now. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Like uh, my stepson just started school, and he's five, and they have I think a suite. So I think there's about fifty or sixty kids in the suite, and three different teachers. Oh yeah, and it's quite a different model to one teacher at the front. Yeah, trying to pour knowledge into these like empty vessels. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which yeah. isn't which yeah. didn't work for me. Yeah, because I had all these problems at home, or blah 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 blah. Uh, I wasn't that psyched on like being told how to do fucking algebra. You yeah, know? Like, people learn in different ways. Yeah, as well, exactly. You know? And so I had a attention problem at school, not an intellect or inability to write mm. problem. I just wasn't that interested. Or I had all these yeah. internal problems. You don't apply you know yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I just didn't care. And, yeah, yeah. and like I think back now and, and I really care now, you know, like I want to learn things. But I'm like, I just didn't at, at, at that time, I just didn't give a shit, you know. Yeah, like, me neither. Just... And I think at the time you, you, you feel like, oh, I'm such a letdown because mm. I failed my, my year 13 exams or whatever. Mm. It doesn't really matter that much. Like it is important mm. to get an education, but there are different educations. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And it depends on what you want to do as well, you yeah. know? Like, hey, if you want to be a doctor, maybe try a little bit hard at, yeah. at, at, at science <laughs> at school. It's kind of important. Yeah. Or, you know, but it, it depends on your career I'm path. Sure there's a lot of, like, I don't know the histories of some of the world's most famous entrepreneurs or whatever, but I'm sure not all of them went school, university, postgraduate degree, yeah. successful business. And you exactly what they wanted yeah, from day one. exactly. A lot of people have this roundabout pathway to where they are, and it's the traveling and the life lessons and kids before they plan to have kids and the divorces and all that sort of shit that taught them to be self-reflecting, introspective mm. and whatever, and that allowed them and gave them a set of skills to explore what it is they want to be in a career sense. Yeah. And I guess that's the other thing is that um, perhaps we have too much focus on what is your career. I try really hard when I meet people, like, instead of being like, what do you do? I we literally like, asked you that as soon as you came. Oh, I, no, no, it's not your fault. It's a great, it's a great opener. Yeah. But at the same time, I try and say, what do you spend your time doing? Yeah. And then people look at me blankly or they're like, oh, I do this. Because we aren't our jobs. Like, behind all the work I have told you about tonight, I guess there's a person yeah and I'm trying my best to like figure out where that line is because my work is particularly driven by me and who I am and where I've come from as a human being it's difficult for me to divorce it I suppose 
But at the same time, me personally, I need to do that. Otherwise, I spend all day talking about very difficult things. Do you know? Addiction Mm -hmm. and sexual abuse. and Yeah. So how do you blow those lines? Whereas if you are an accountant or a coach or whatever, maybe it's easier. Here's a quick message from our sponsor, Subaru. Every new Subaru in New Zealand has all-wheel drive as standard. So this means that no matter what kind of road or surface you find yourself on, with Subaru's all-wheel drive, you can drive in confidence. But what does all-wheel drive mean? Great question, Matt. Thanks for asking. All-wheel drive distributes power to all four wheels, which gives you twice the grip of those vehicles that aren't all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. All-wheel drive is just one of the many safety features that Sabara's five-star safety range has, and it gives us comfort that Baby Green will be travelling both safely and in style in our Sabaros. Another awesome thing people don't realise about Sabaros is that you don't have to pay extra for all-wheel drive. It's included in the price. So check out the Sabaru all-wheel drive range at sabaru.co.nz. And it's almost like it's kind of an old school mentality of like, what do you do? And then people say, doctor, waitress, nurse, or that's kind of the the jobs that people had. Whereas now there are so many different jobs, right? And like you can make your own jobs. Social you can media be whatever you want. What totally. a job. Yeah. Women influencer become a job, you know? And so now that question is kind of irrelevant now. Like, what do you do? What's your one job? It's like, well, people have lots of different jobs. People have jobs, lots of jobs. You know, and they people have, have got lots like of different 37 hobbies. side hustles, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's kind of exciting. It's yeah. a lot of work, but it's kind of exciting too, right? It's really yeah. exciting. It, it, yeah, it can be a lot of work. And I find that that's usually the second question. It's like, how, or, you know, it'll be, how are you going? And everyone always says, yeah, I've been real busy. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just so busy. Yeah. They are, right? Yeah. And I think um, our cell phones are part of that. Yeah. Because even if you're not physically in a space, you wake up. What time do you wake up? Well, 6.30 this morning. Yeah. And you probably check your phone straight away. No, because oh. I, I make an effort to not do that. Okay. So I keep it on airplane mode, at least for the first hour. That's really positive. But if positive. you didn't make an effort, we yeah. wouldn't be doing that Yeah, but away. that's like a, a something that I put in place to stop me from just going onto my phone. Otherwise, whatever mood I'm in or however I'm feeling about the day is affected by what I see on the screen of my phone. I need to put my phone on airplane mode for the first hour because I'm like, all right, well, here's some emails. These people got shot over here. And yeah. then, oh, someone called me an asshole because they didn't like my <laughs> idea. Like, you know, I'm a piece of shit. And it's only like <laughs> 7.30 in the morning. Awesome. Mm. But, yeah, the point I'm making is, like, you wake up and you're kind of on. Even, okay, you get up 6.30, you start checking your phone at 7.30. That's pretty early. Yeah. It's not a 9-to-5 day anymore. You know, your last email, you're organizing your podcast, or you've got, like, an event that you need to attend, 8 mm. p.m., you know, like, you're always grinding away. My partner talks about this, like you're always in fight or flight. You always have this evolutionary response going. We're not designed to be on all the time. People get adrenal fatigue and stressed out. So yeah. you actually need time f- to just breathe. Let your brain and breathe. Downtime as downtime, well. Like we've yeah. talked about this at home so much, how we have lost a lot of our creativity as well. Because oh, yeah. during that downtime when you're bored, that's when you start to think creatively and you do cool things and you do crafts and, you know, different little things that we don't do anymore because as soon as we've got downtime we go straight on our phones and yeah. check the news and Instagram and Dude, Facebook or whatever. Scroll. Yeah. yeah, just scroll. Just scroll. It's a great T-shirt. Yeah, yeah just like, scroll. Like a real negative T-shirt. Instead of yeah. just breathe. Yeah, yeah. just scroll. <laughs> I might make that. Yeah. I'll send you one. Yeah, that'd it's be pretty great. funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, people do it sitting in traffic. I do it sitting in traffic. Mm. Like, that's bad. Sorry, don't give me a ticket. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, guilty. <laughs> yeah, they're going to hunt you down because yeah, I'm here on this podcast. Um, so. But yeah, you sit in traffic, you're standing in the queue at the bank. 
So we're never just being, like, with our own thoughts, thoughts. you know? You know, yeah. never. So I'm making, I am, despite the fact that I don't have my phone on airplane mode first thing I wake up, like, um, I am making a conscious effort to be on my phone less. Because I went through this quite bad period of depression. It got real bad, and, like, I went through this really, really, like, unhealthy relationship, and it broke, <laughs> ended up really bad. Anyway, I got real depressed, like, mm. proper, like, doctor was calling me, like, checking in that I was all right, oh, and all shit. this sort of shit, and I was on medication, all this I was using my phone so much to, like, mute out my uh, inner despair. And and I was um, looking back at that. I'm like, wow, you were so unhappy. And your phone was such a escape tool, you know, to, like, not be present. And now I'm well again, and I'm in a really good space a couple of years later. I go running a lot. I mean, I've always gone running. It's how I help myself. But... I'm always dodging people who are like zombies walking around staring at their phones. And I'm not saying they're all depressed. Even when they're with people. Even even when they're yep. with people and or like taking their kids to the park or whatever, I'm like, what is it about our modern world that means so many of us can't bear to be present yeah. just walking down the street? It's have you, really have you even gone for a run at like four in the afternoon or five in the afternoon like around the inner city? You're literally dodging people who are like, uh, like staring yeah. at their cell phones. It's really bad, man. And it's really made me mindful of my previous behavior and it reinforces my desire to continue to detach from my phone. Mm. And it also makes me feel like sad for people. Totally. Like, what is it that... Why is your reality so bad? Yeah. Mm. I'm not saying everyone's like sick and miserable, but I am mm. like... But there's something well, going there's on. Something going so, on. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think people are, are, are sad or, you know, their life's not that great. I think a lot of it is because it's so addictive. That's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. Because yeah. you do get, because um, what is it, dopamine, serotonin? Absolutely, yeah. How do you balance that? Because I guess, is it fair to say a degree of your, you know, how you pay the bills is through social media, Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. kind of your work, but yeah. at the same time, how do you divorce your inner well-being from that? Oh, it's it's hard. I mean, I try and just not buy into it too much, you know. Sure. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, cool, this one got heaps of likes or something. I try and not track anything and just let it be what it wants to be so so that doesn't kind of influence what I post. Your self-worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. But, I mean, sometimes it, it happens because you just can't help it. But Yeah, I think, like, we're in quite a um, uh, reasonably unique position where it's like, I'd love to be able to just post whatever I want because I want to post it because that's a, a something I want to share with people and get the get or get a message out there just purely because I want to share it. But now when when there's like vested interest from brands or companies or stuff who are paying us to do things, then we actually do need to think about how many likes it's getting. How yeah. much it's not just it's a personal getting. page like, anymore. Yeah, yeah right. you know, it's your work. We've, yeah. we've turned our social media and you know kind of our lives into a business, which is. Which is great, but it, you know, does that's interesting. Piece. It's interesting yeah. how you say that. Yeah. yeah. It just means how does that, that feel? That, like, social your life media your business. Different. So that's been like probably the biggest transition for me personally, probably both of us, um, mm. you know, since we were on The Bachelor and then like overnight um, social media blows up. We kind of came out of that show as social media was on the rise. So we went on, on the show not knowing what an influencer was or anything about social media and then suddenly we're kind of thrown in the spotlight both in the normal media but then also on social media and our private social media pages now become public property and now it becomes a business and so it's been a, a really interesting transition yeah. something which has been really like hugely positive for us but also has meant that we've had to think about it differently. yeah you guys aren't like media trained or anything no. like that right we like had a bit of kind of 
like a day of social media training through the bachelor, but I mean nothing did could you? prepare us. Yeah, we did. Oh, D- no, oh I missed that day. You, <laughs> you whack that. Listen, no, I, must have. I don't have a social media following. You do, but like, you know, I guess I have a degree of a social media following mm. and public following and I didn't set out to do that. I just live my life and people offered me opportunities like they've offered you opportunities and I'm like, oh, that sounds really interesting. Or you want to pay me money to do what? Sure. Yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> fuck, that's amazing. Because <laughs> like, I used to pack boxes and I didn't like it very much and that's all good if you do, but like for me it was like boring, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. You want to pay me to do what? To put a photo on my Instagram? <laughs> you know, it might end one day. Like, you know, like everything's always evolving yeah, and totally stuff. totally will. Yeah, we think it will. I feel like there's been a massive boom, and I reckon the boom is kind oh, of... Oh, it's going to burst, it's, it's 100%. stopping now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on it before, just with, like, the kids um, growing up wanting, wanting, to, be wanting to be influencers. And I think that's so dangerous. Well, it's terrifying. You know, well, just, just in a few ways, because, like, one thing is, like, these kids now will, will grow up and they'll see all these influencers that have got lots of followers, and they say, okay, well, that's my role model, that's what I need to do to essentially, you know, kind of be popular in their head, get a lot of followers, get a lot of likes. And so now they change their whole behavior. They change yes. um, what they're doing and change who they are to be more like these people that they see. That could be really positive. It could be a really positive influence on them um, from these people. But it may be just completely different than who they really are and who they would have perhaps discovered not by following and trying to be these other influences. Yeah, 100%. And there are negatives to that. There's a documentary on Netflix, I think it's called Social Animals. Mm. And it looks at, like, uh, three different people. Like, one's a very successful, like, social influence. She's 15, 16, mm. you know, like, stereotypically attractive, rich parents, you know, like, half a million followers or whatever. <laughs> and then there's, like, this real cool kid. Here's my favorite of them. This young, I think, African-American boy from, I guess, from, like, the projects or whatever in Queens. And he started this amazing photography work, like, climbing wow. insanely high buildings. <laughs> and then this young girl who was just, like, you know, 500 followers. And the bullying this young girl at the end, like, put up with is so sad. She, like, mm. tried to commit suicide and really sort of stuff. <gasps> because people are so horrible to it online. Mm. And so when young people put so much of their self-worth and identity into their social following to try and be an influencer or to at least be, like, cool and accepted thing, that's where the problem is. Yeah. Because I think we all had lives before that, right? Mm-hmm. And so while it may affect so we can us, put it into perspective. I think that's a reasonably healthy understanding of things. But, that's but for some normal. people, you've come to consciousness in this world. And that's been a huge part of your whole world. Yeah, I yeah. saw this video, this girl melting down. She's like, Instagram shut down my account or whatever. This is everything that. to me. I lost all my followers. Like... So distraught because all her self-worth was tied up into the internet. Mm -hmm. But, yo, we're not like our Instagram accounts. No. I I do enjoy Instagram. Yeah. Like, it's it's dope, man. Like, people from all around the world will message me, as I imagine they message you and Mm -hmm. a lot of people listening, and be like, oh, you you posted this and that really helped, or where do I get help for this, or... You know, and it puts you in touch with really kind really people. Really kind there people. There are so many kind people Because while we've been talking about the people who are mean to us, it's mm-hmm. outweighed 100 to 1 for me and I hope for you. Absolutely. Uh, by people who are like, yo, this is positive, or I like your dress today, or where did you get mm-hmm. that T-shirt, or thanks for talking about mental health, that really helped me, or yep. how do yep. you throw like a right cross better? <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> 
Yeah. You know the first time I met you, Art, was I think you were at um, Harvest Whole Foods. Yeah. And I was like, yo, man, Classic. I watched a boxing fight. That was dope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was so scared. Yeah. <laughs> but you did great. You, you touched that boy up. Uh, yeah. No, thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Do you keep up with your boxing? No, I haven't picked up the gloves since. Oh. Hung up the gloves, eh? Hung up the gloves. One and, one and done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was too intense for me mentally. Dude, it is. I like, love love the physical aspect of it, but mentally it was just all consuming and uh, too full on. Yeah, it is, man. I, I like. I always used to sit out the back when I was fighting, and be like, "Why am I doing this? Like, I could be like just like <laughs> hanging out with my girlfriend right now, yeah. but yeah. some motherfucker's about to punch me in the face." But, but if you love hard. it, you know. Then but then you the music fine. plays and you walk out the ring. And that was the best yeah. shit that I ever felt. I think as humans, like we grow the most after we've put ourselves out of our comfort zone. I was just talking about this with a, a, a colleague of mine. Yeah, it is, mm-hmm. but it's also scary, mm-hmm. which is why a lot of people stay in their comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. Because, like you said, like yo, because it's your safe place. It's your safe Absolutely. place. Yeah, but, but all the growth happens out, outside of that. And mm-hmm. as soon as you start doing things that scare you, then you get that feeling of like, I just did that. I accomplished it, and I didn't think I could. There is nothing better than that feeling because it motivates you to be like, well, if I can do that. I might be able to do that and this and this. The problem is when you overleap, you know, and then you're like, oh, I'm panicking. This didn't yeah, work out. Too much, yeah. I'm going to retreat back in here and stay in there forever. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. those progressive increments of what you think you're capable of mm-hmm. that allows you to live, I, th- I believe, a richer, fuller life, you know. Your whole world expands because you realize that you are only the restraints that you put on yourself. I know. And I'm late to that party. Like at nearly 40, the last few years, I've, that's how I started to live. But I really mm-hmm. held myself back when saying no to things. So I'm like, oh, I'm not good enough or yeah. I don't think I can do that. Even as a fighter, people would be like, oh, do you want to fight this guy for this title? And I'd be like, oh, nah. Even though, like, I won, like, way more than I lost and was reasonably good in my era, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, my self-belief was still catching up to my physical ability. Now in my career, like, uh, as a speaker, I'm trying my best to be like, say yes, you know. So, like, uh, some schools of LA just emailed me and, like, yo, would be interested in you presenting, blah, 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 tell us about your work. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, yeah, that's so cool. So, so what I lacked in as, a, as, a, as my athletic career up until my early 30s, I'm trying to make up for it in my, I guess, my more academic social work career. But yeah. the latter is informed by the, the, the former. Yeah. yeah, if I hadn't had that, oh, I held myself back. Now I might still be the same. And then you learn from it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, going back to your um, period when you were quite depressed, or really depressed, um, what are some of the things that helped you get out of there, and what are, and like some of the tools maybe you still use now that have helped you? Yeah, for sure. So I've had two like major bouts of depression. One was that I've come to learn like a lot of my understandings of my own mental health, and then about mental health societally mm. is retrospective learning like mm. why was I like that for so long <laughs> yeah. um, you come out the other side and you're like oh I was really I, well, in yeah. the dark there. yeah I'm so negative yeah yeah. yeah so this is a funny story that I've told once once before perhaps um you know my boss and way back in 2011 because I was mm. taking a lot of days off work and I'd kind of come and mope around the office or whatever this is when I was working for Michelle it's a real cool woman Betty McLaren You'll probably never hear this, but thank you. I appreciate you. She was like, do you suffer from depression? You know, she'd worked in social work a long time, older woman. And I said, no. And then I started crying, like, in the middle of the office, you know? Like, yeah. And, and, and I clearly... Like, I w- think you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe you didn't just have a bad sleep. And, 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 and then I actually decided to go to see a psychologist. Mm. And, and, and looking back, like, 
and I've come to understand this, there's this thing called dysthymia or, like, persistent long-term depression. It's like you can kind of function and get out of bed, but, like, everything's kind of through a gray lens, I suppose. Yeah. I wasn't happy. I was stuck in a rumination about a bunch of stuff that I'd been through. And, and that took me, like, quite a long time to, to, to get out of. And I started recovering, and then I was in a really unhealthy, like, relationship that ended really, really badly. Then I fell into, like, a chronic depression. Like, I want to kill myself. Like, I did stay in bed all the time. Like, everything was miserable. Um, but what has helped me through both those experiences is um, a regular visit to a psychologist. So I still see a psychologist because of the work I do now. I, you know, I talk about sexual violence and hear about people's experience of rape and trauma and addiction and abuse. Um, I need a place to put that that's healthy because that triggers me. I know what that feels like to some degree, depending on the circumstance, but on an emotional level, that's touches my shit you know it started off as healing like looking at my depression and her being like, no that's actually depression you know <laughs> like you were quite unwell for quite a long period of time yeah you know like um and that's normal you know what i mean and yeah. and i'm packing childhood shit dealing I, with it yeah right? dealing with mm. like my inner child and and and, and how that shapes the, the people that i'm attracted to and the people I connect with as, as a friend or as a professional or as a romantic partner. And and it's interesting when you look back going, oh, there's a lot of similarities in a lot of my relationships, you know? And some of those are good and some of those aren't so good and how do you navigate those healthily? And so a regular visit to a psychologist has been like so instrumental for me in getting better and not just getting better but staying well and, and understanding myself and allowing me to like – be the most I can be in my limited time on earth. You know, I grew up with a lot of chaos. I never knew what my family environment would be like on any given day. So as an adult, I've subconsciously recreated that. Mm. You know, I've sought out romantic partners or friends or situations quite subconsciously that I'm like ensured that shit's going to get crazy, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a child of alcoholic, there's similar shit in that. You go to an Alamo meeting, which is like a 12-step program for people who are affected by other people's alcoholism or addiction, and it's fascinating because everyone's, like, got similar, similar, uh, I guess, dysfunctions to you. And then you're like, oh, I'm actually not alone in this. This, You know, there are actually, like, um, you know, therapeutic pathways to help me out of that. Eating well, um, that's always been something I've done since I was a, you know, competitive fighter in, in my 20s. But when I got proper depressed, yo, I put on some weight, man. I was smashing the sugar. It's like full Bridget Jones, like <laughs> just like scrolling through my iPhone, looking at depressing memes, eating like organic oh, ice cream. Like, that yeah. was my shit. Yeah. Like, I really got busy on social media. <laughs> Maybe it was a positive when I was depressed. Yeah. And I see a lot of people doing that now. It was like this cry for help. I used to just post all this real raw stuff, man, like real raw stuff. And I look back and I'm a little bit cringy. Oh my, you're looking oh. for something, right? You're like I'm looking. just looking for some sort of connection and outpouring, and like I was really hurt, and mm-hmm. and and I needed to put it somewhere, and <laughs> I put it on Instagram. Yeah. So for a while, <laughs> when I was bitter, I bomb into people like, "Yo, I follow your Instagram," and I'd be like, "Like, oh, did you see oh, that time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> what years are we talking? Yeah, what years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you've seen three breakups <laughs> and a divorce, <laughs> you know, like. So I guess. To answer your question, just talking about how I felt kind of really helped. Yeah. Even though it's a bit cringy and not very cool, you know, like I'm painfully earnest. But it is cool now, you know, like that's the the great thing about 
kind of social media that really started that is is it talking about your feelings, being open about that sort of stuff. So cool. It's it's cool. People and, do uh, it, and it's cool. Uh, I mean, I guess given my other work as a coach and fighter and all that, like it's cool because I know a lot of young men follow me for that shit. Like mm-hmm. men in particular, you know, men overrepresented in poor mental health and suicide and substance abuse, car accidents, incarceration. If I can help those dudes, not just me, but men like yourself, mm. you know, John Kerwin, Mike King, like there's a host of young guys talking about mental health, Jimmy Hunt, like if guys can like talk about that shit publicly, then it role models that, you know, so yep. it does give permission. But anyway, to other men to do that. So having those open conversations helped me, psychology helped me. Eating well helped me. You know, I got back off the sugar. I remember yeah, what, taking... What, is, what, what does eating well mean to you? For me? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think people overcomplicate food. <laughs> so uh, for me, I'm a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian for 20 years mm-hmm. uh, just because I don't like killing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you're necessarily healthier being a vegetarian, but for me, I just healthier feel better. Healthier in your mind. Yeah, yeah. For, for me personally. Yeah. You know, I'm not down with killing things. If I look at like industrial farming, agriculture, and labor tree animals, That's not horrific. very nice. Mm. I'd love to be a vegan. I personally find it a bit too time-consuming to maintain, as a really athletic guy, a healthy vegan diet. Um, but I eat vegan when possible. You know, yeah. if I'm in L.A. or Melbourne or whatever, and there's a lot of vegan easy. restaurants, it's fucking yeah. easy. Yeah. Here, I'm like, oh, I'll eat the vegan option a lot of the time, but if there's some free-range eggs, I'll eat those too, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I eat regularly five or six times a day. Um you know, a lot of my friends get great results from intermittent fasting. Me, I get cranky in the morning if I don't have breakfast. So I follow basically like a low glycemic index diet. So my main meals consist of a vegetarian protein sauce and like um, like a complex carbohydrate, like kumara or brown rice or brown pasta, or, you know, like a lot of people are like Aikensy, don't like carbs. I personally like carbs. Like Same. they're the easiest way for my body to make blood sugar. Love a good carb. I'm a long distance runner, you know, mm. like I don't want to go running for 30 kilometers with no sugar in my system. I've tried doing that when I was a fighter and I had to cut weight. Oh my God, it's horrible. You know, like, <laughs> it's so shit. <laughs> you know, like in my retirement fight, my ex-wife came. This is back in 2015. My ex-wife came and I was like, I just want to acknowledge my ex-wife for putting up with me while I was a fighter for like 10 years. Yeah. Because I was a grumpy, you know, bastard. You know, like, because I was starving all the time. I needed some carbs. I was hungry and tired. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, heap of vegetables, heap of fruit. I, I kind of followed that 80-20 when I was an athlete, like a competitive one. Yeah, I did have to, like, no sugar, no junk food because I was trying to get to, like, 5% body fat to make mm. weight. Wow. You know, it's not cool, 6% body fat. Mm. Like, when I was – I used to be – I'm about 80 kilos now. I used to get down to 72 kilos and that wow. or 70 kilos, you know. Like, it's no – there was no fat on me, dude. I was just yeah, a skinny dude. Yeah, that's small. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, grumpy and tired. But, hey, I was good at hitting people. <laughs> yeah. When you got paid to fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 everything, you know. But um, – <laughs> So now I'm 80-20, you know, like if I want to eat some ice cream, I'll eat some ice cream, you know, like if I want to eat a cake because I'm tired and I'm emotional, I'll eat some cake. Eat the damn cake. Yeah, mm-hmm. eat the damn cake. Mm. I'm just mindful of don't do it too much, mm. you know, because it isn't good to eat food like that all the time. And if I have a constant blood sugar, seesaw, I'm going to put on body fat and also my moods will fluctuate. Mm-hmm. But so I eat 80, 80% pretty like clean eating, like, yeah. You know, with carbs and proteins and vegetables and fruits, yeah. about five times a day. And in the weekend, if I want to go out for like a treat with with uh, you know my stepson or my girlfriend or my boys, like we do that. Yeah. Yeah. So eating well, psychology, sleeping. 
You know, like my sleep hygiene got real bad when I was depressed. You know, on my phone all the time, um, going to bed real late. You know, or I wake up at like three in the morning, stress response. Mm. My brain is racing, so I pick up my phone again. Wake up at eight o'clock, call in work sick. Sorry, I'm just too exhausted to come yeah. to work. Like I'm literally not going to function. I literally would love to get in touch with some of my old personal training clients who were like. <laughs> basically fired me because I was like, sorry, not coming today. <laughs> you know, like cancel on them half an hour before. Like, you know, like, yeah. and be like, hey, retrospectively, I was quite unwell at that time. I'm really yeah. sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I'd love to do that. So if I used to train you and I canceled on you at 7 in the morning, really sorry. Yeah, this is just a good blanket approach. So yeah. you need to miss it all <laughs> yeah. You guys, I'm sure, have got a good listenership. So <laughs> someone out there. And, and my office job, too. I took a lot of sick days. Mm. Now, sleep hygiene is important. You know, I try and not use my phone in bed. I charge it in a different room. Um, I try and read a book um, in bed rather than read a screen. You know, sleeping mm. is so important. I think we live in a real sleep-deprived society. Yeah. You know, we're up late. We're up early. Uh, we're online all the time. It's just bad for us, man. When yeah. you don't get the chance to sleep well. What else? Psychology, e- eating well, sleeping. So being on top of that. Um, exercise has been key. Mm. You know, running really helps me. I've always run since I was 19, like, for fighting and stuff. Key part of Muay Thai training, kickboxing training. But it became intentional when I was getting better. You know, I did these two things that in quick succession, which were stupid in hindsight, which was one, I got separated from my now ex-wife, and then I'd retired from fighting and, and a couple of years later. In hindsight, not the best combination of things because it yeah. leaves, like, this massive void in your life. <laughs> yeah. like, like, what am I filling my life with? <laughs> Ice cream. Ice cream yeah. and depression. <laughs> yeah. So I started training hard again. I, yeah. I've basically gone back and kept it up since about 2014. How I basically used to do as a competitive athlete. I'm in the gym every day, most days twice a day. That helps me moderate my my moods and my anxiety and any sort of like mm, predilection to experiencing depression again. You know, like for me, that's been an instrumental part of not just getting well again, but staying well. Because I think quite often we look at things from a different lens. Like I'm I'm sick, so I'm going to do this, and then we get kind of better with that's physical mental health, and then we sort of like backslide. But for me, I have to be very intentional about keeping up sleep, eating well, mm. looking at my exercise regime. The other part of it is, like, I have left a job, which while I liked the outcomes of, didn't like the environment of, working in, you know, in a big organization, and I have really purposeful work. Like, I love going and speak to young people. I'm so stoked that I get to talk to kids, and then they'll mm. message me on Instagram and be like, yo, you came to my school today, or you came to my university today. And I never thought about it like that. And I really want to say thanks. And, and do you know what I mean? Like, mm. that shit is, makes my fucking day. That's worth way more than the money I get paid to do that. So I have this greater sense of belonging and purpose now. Like, I never, like, wake up and like, oh, got to go talk to someone. Or, yo, i got to go to the gym and train someone. You know, like, I'm psyched on what I do. And that's been truly helpful in keeping good mental health. You know, we have a massive problem with family violence and sexual violence and and, and sexual harassment, and, and mm. I feel really happy to be just a little part in trying to make things a little bit better. I'm not perfect. I'm not the only guy doing that, but I'm happy to be doing it, and that helps me feel like my life is worth something. You're doing something about it, which is more than I'm, a lot of people can I'm say. I'm trying you know? to, you know, and, and in a child me, 
my imposter syndrome kicks in. Like, why am I that person? Yeah. But um, I've overcome that. Like, I was telling you, and I'm like, sure. Like, kind of like, really? You know? Yeah. I, I wonder how many people um, are secretly thinking that they aren't good enough for what they're doing. Oh, almost they're everyone. So, I reckon a lot of people. Almost everyone, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, there'd be so many that they're just like, I wonder when they're going to realize that I don't know I, about it, this or like, mm-hmm. I don't know enough about this to, to be I you know, am doing what I'm stunned doing. by people who have huge self belief. I yeah. admire people like that who are just like, this is my shit. I'm going to do it. And even if they don't achieve what they set out to, I think their journey towards attempting a goal and having that sort of like unshakable sense of self-belief, that must be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I wouldn't know. Yeah, I wouldn't know. But as a late <laughs> bloomer, as a late bloomer, yeah. I've come to understand that like failing in an attempted goal is still positive. I think mm-hmm. we put quite a l- onus on that on the outcome. Mm-hmm. When in fact it's actually all the journey that is where the good stuff happens. Outcomes yeah, just like cherry on the top, right? Because you're not going to nail every single thing you do, right? That's never going to be the case. Sometimes you're going to fail, and you're going to be like, okay, that's all right. Put myself back up, dust myself off, figure out what went wrong, learn from yeah. it, and try again. You know, try something else. Or it's, it's one of the great things about martial arts. Like getting knocked down teaches you to get back up again. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's a transferable life lesson. Like if our lives never had defeats. Or, you know, quote unquote defeats or adversity, how would you grow? The gyms have such a community aspect to them, right? Yeah. It's it's kinda like team sports for, for kids and like well, anyone really, Art and I both think this is so important for, for kids to, to be a part of because it teaches you so much, about, you know. Yeah, communication. About com- community and teamwork and like working with others and how not to be a dick, you know? It's <laughs> yeah. like And and yeah, working with others who are all different, you know, and communicating yeah. and yeah. interacting on huge like different levels with different personalities. Totally. I love those videos where you, like, see the good kids, like, giving a soft pass to the kid who's clearly not that good at that sport. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a great life lesson that mm. all those kids are, are benefiting from. Mm. And, hey, not everyone's into sport. Yeah. Like, any sort of thing where you can get a sense any of... Any community vibe. Any community yeah. vibe is good, right? Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my people. What's up? Roll those 20-sided dice. <laughs> yeah. If you can find something to connect with other people, that's mm-hmm. hugely beneficial. Yeah. That's where I get bummed out, and we've been talking about social media. I th- there is this, like, isolation happening. Like, kids sit in their phones, mm-hmm. in their rooms, and there's a sense of community because they're connecting to all these people online at the same time, whether it's on a multiplayer computer game through your Xbox or whatever, or Snapchat or Instagram. You're kind of connecting. People are liking you. You've got a live chat going on. It's not the same as sitting in the room with someone. It's not true connection. It's not true connection. It's it's like a simulacrum of connection. Hmm. It's kind of like you need a nutritious meal, but all there is is junk food. Yeah. So you eat the junk food, right? Hmm. And that, and I think that's gonna have negative. I mean, it is having. We can see it in the data. Like yeah, it is totally. having negative repercussions in how hmm. kids are interacting with one another and with themselves. So how do we help people come together again? Well, I wonder if if it will just happen, like if it will come full circle, because we've gone so far down one end of the extreme. But I wonder if it will eventually come back to just normal human connection. Because in, in human nature, we crave social interaction. Like we yeah. need it, you know. Oh. So So I wonder if it'll start to... Which is starting to happen now. People are putting down their phones and they're trying to kind of spend less time on their phones and more time in the real world. Mm. So I wonder if we'll just start to give that Gravitate shit out altogether. 
That's true. Eventually. I, just, I hope so. I, I was talking to uh, some person in a shop, and they're like, it's kind of like the 50s again now, like paper bags and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, true. <laughs> a it's real souped-up version of the 50s. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, but... You know, one of my favorite albums is called um, Searching for a Former Clarity. It's by this band called uh, Against Me. And I'm like, maybe as a society we are doing that in some senses. We're trying to get back to basics. Yeah, I think kind Mm -hmm. of like we get super far ahead of ourselves. And then like, oh, actually, problems. Too far, too too far. far, Too far, too far. (laughs) You know, like, you know, with technology, we do get a whole bunch of wonderful things. But, you know, pollution and environment degradation and social isolation, that can emerge too, like these unexpected unintended consequences mm. and then it's going back a little bit and slowing it down and putting some filters and limits exactly. on that shit you know? exactly it's like commercial agriculture you know like started off amazing oh, incredible you know, you know now it's gone a, a little too it's gone a little too far you know we're like spraying yeah. the shit out of everything yeah chemicals. It's killing we're the world like, and now people are starting to to be like okay I want to grow my own I want to support local try and eat organic if I can if you're lucky to do that you know Exactly. Yeah. So so we're slowly coming back to how we probably ate before commercial agriculture, yep, you know? Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree with you. I think this is where capitalism is bad, is that when you have this massive focus on the profit, mm. that's the problem. We think yeah. about, like, deep-sea deep fishing or agricultural farming or the way we treat pigs, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's because you can make a heap of money by doing it quick and nasty and not, like, having any sort of, like limits on that. Yeah. That's where I think we need to like limit capitalist enterprise with good government regulation. So sure, everyone can make money. That's dope. You wanna, you know, do whatever it is as an entrepreneur and maybe you're gonna make millions of dollars, awesome more power to you. But how do you have some limits set around that? I think yeah. it's like the free reign of the market, which is leading to these environmental problems and social problems that we've kind of been broadly discussing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So while, yeah, I'm not the anti-capitalist that I once was as I sit here in some Adidas and I'm like, yeah, cool, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, like. Because um, we all feed into capitalism in one dude, way or another, right? Yeah, no, man, like, you have to temper things. Like, mm. I would like it if there's an alternate to capitalism. Like, I don't know what is it. Yeah. You know, like, I think about it. The best I can think of at the moment is like, well, how do we drastically modify it. I think the American model doesn't work if you look and how at how do we it. make people care? How do you make people care? Because we have a massive gap in inequality. I think like 1% of the world has the same amount of wealth as like the bottom like yeah. Yeah, I think 46% or 52% yeah. of the world. Oh, the Notre right? Dame thing is a classic example that, that these billionaires put in like 600 million euros in a day. In a day, yeah. In a day to, to fund this rebuild of this beautiful building, you know, but it's like... Why, why couldn't we do that for any number of yeah. churches How or signs or in different countries? You know, mm. like... <laughs> yeah, that's enough to or save a whole country. Yeah, you know? ex- exactly. Yeah. It's like the like GDP one of... person gave 200 million euros or something in, in, in a day. It's like, how do you have stuff left? Yeah, no. You know what I mean? But and for that's some just people, that's change. nothing. Yeah, it's just been yeah. change. And mm. it's probably tax deductible. <laughs> yeah, and it just goes to show, like, where some people's priorities are, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, like, that's, that's what you've got to address. Well, on that note... 
Should we finish up with our last question? Yeah, I think so. Okay, this is like the most important question that we ask all our guests. Okay. <laughs> um, if you could have three foods the rest of your life, Richie, <laughs> what would they be? Yeah, ice cream, for sure. Yeah, organic what, though, right? Organic. You I really like just a vanilla with like a stracciatella with like a, you a know? vanilla. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. No, vanilla is so underrated. So underrated. When you have it you just think? by itself, if you really appreciate it, it's like, it's so delicious. I love a good vanilla. Yeah. Mm. Maybe with a chocolate chip through it. Yeah, it's yeah. got to have something. It can't be just. Plain vanilla, right? It's got to have some every kind now of and then, Every now and then, vanilla has its time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Um, Similar to the ready salted chip, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually. I'm, yeah. A dude. I'm a yeah. sweet dude. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, what else would I have? Uh, I really like Thai food. I go to Thailand all the time, obviously, mm-hmm. for Thai boxing. They have the salad called Som Tum. Have mm-hmm. you had that? No. Oh, it's really nice. Um, it's like green papaya salad. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We know the one. So maybe some time with some carnial, some sticky rice. Oh, yeah, sticky rice. Yeah. I love rice. Rice I'm, is I, delicious. I'm mad at those carbs, surely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> any, any carb. I and what else would I like? Maybe some Mexican food. Maybe yeah. like a good burrito. A good burrito. A good taco. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like spicy food. Yeah. It's weird because do you want to know an embarrassing thing about me? You've got IBS. No, I don't. <laughs> that would be that would. <laughs> I don't, but I sweat like a maniac at the hint of spice. Oh, so it's really? funny, like that I like that food. Yeah, you know, yeah. like do you get the weird sweats that come? Weird just under sweat your from eyes? under. <laughs> <laughs> do you? No, I, did. I get them too. <laughs> what Hilarious. is that? I've got no idea. I was trying to figure it out the other day when I was eating something hot. I was like, what? What is like the benefit it's of being able to sweat from hilarious. here? Hilarious. <laughs> My girlfriend Claire, she's like, yo, it is hilarious taking you for dinner with people because it's like napkin, napkin. It's really funny when there's one person that can't handle spice because everyone else is like, mm, this is delicious. And then you look at this one person and, and they're like, bright red, I know. sweating bullets. Like, yeah, this is real cool. I'm having a great time. So, yeah, I don't know. It's sometime a taco and some ice cream. That would yeah. be, be a great last supper should I find myself on death row. That sounds yum. Yeah, God, that sounds great. Mm. It's Maybe. probably the best one so far, I reckon. <laughs> Yeah. I'm nothing if not spicy and exotic. Yeah. <laughs> and cool. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Hey, so if people want to get at you, follow you, um, check out what you're doing, be inspired by you, how do they do that? Oh, I have a website, mm-hmm. richiehardcore.com. Uh, I have Instagram, it's just under Richie Hardcore. No T and Richie. Some people get that. I'm like, you don't put T and Richard, mm-hmm. but anyway. Yeah, yeah just, why T and Richie but not Richard? I'm Weird. not sure. Uh, but yeah, Richie Hardcore is my Twitter handle and my Instagram, my public Facebook page, all just under that. Or you can email me, hello at richiehago.com. Cool. And book you for speaking gigs. I'd love that. We can confirm bloody good speaker. Oh, thank you. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming in. Hey, it was really nice to talk with you. I'm really genuinely humbled by your interest, and I enjoyed talking with you guys. So thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Thank you indeed. This podcast is brought to you by Raw Collective. And for any updates on our podcast or any of the other podcasts under Raw, head to rawcollective.co or you can follow them on Instagram at raw__collective.co. But wait, before you go, please subscribe to our podcast and also rate it and review it. Leave a nice little message. Leave a smiley face, maybe an emoji. Or tell your friends. It's super easy. It takes two seconds and it would mean so much to us. Bye. Bye.